See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. Good morning. We shall be continuing our series. And the title of today's sermon is Watch the Community. Well, an alternative would be Guard the Community, based on Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15 to 17. The author encouraged the letter's readers to pursue peace and holiness, which no one will see the Lord. But before that, the author explained that God disciplines those he loves because they are his children. Many speak about God's love, but they seldom speak of his discipline. But it is made clear that one of the expressions of God's love is his discipline. Therefore, believers should view God's discipline as chastisement in Tagalog, palo. Okay? Chastisement for the wrong committed and training for righteousness. Like a soldier or an athlete goes through training. Training for righteousness. God's discipline is not about God's rejection or damnation. The author would then impart wisdom in preserving the unity and morality of the community. And that is what we will discuss. Although unity and morality were not the author's central theme in the letter, the whole of Hebrews, Morality and unity in the church community is not the central theme. It is necessary to heed them, to listen to what he wants to say. The central theme of the letter is that Christ is superior to Judaism. Thus, Jewish believers then, during that time, should continue in the faith despite the challenges the author warned the community of Jewish believers of the consequences of turning away from Christ. Yet the author also encouraged them about the covenant promises of God in Christ. As we study scripture, we study it in such a way that we look at the context. As we mentioned before, we are contextual students of Scripture, meaning we don't just read verses and, and create conclusions immediately. First, we look at what the Bible says. What did the author say? Then there's one more question, one more step. What did the author mean? But since this happened thousands of years ago, we have to study the context. When we say context, it involves history 
and literature. Literature is what we see being written as written. We look at the context of Hebrews, like we cannot interpret Hebrews 12, 15 to 17 without studying the whole context from chapter 1 and even looking at it even after. But we see as we study it, as we study what the author means, then we can ask the question, how does this apply to us? How does this apply to us who live in 2021 within the context of the Bicol region and the context of our family and the context of our workplace? Because scripture is there so that we may obey it. But we do not rush to interpret it. We have to carefully interpret it and then carefully apply it as well. First point is grace versus bitterness. The author instructed that no one should come short of the grace of God. And the author warned against bitterness, which could spread, which means that the community should watch themselves. Verse 15, let's read that. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. So see to it, brothers, Look at the community. See to it that no one would fall short of the grace of God. Fall short of God's grace. The grace which we don't deserve. And something doesn't go together. The grace of God and bitterness don't go together. This is what the author is saying. They're incompatible. Therefore, what? See to it. Hey, look at one another. Make sure, look at yourselves too, that no root of bitterness would take root. It was likened to a plant that takes root. And yes, bitterness does take root. And if you nurture it and grow it, allow it to grow, it is hard to remove it. Therefore, one must watch. But the problem with bitterness is it spreads. It spreads. Like COVID-19. It spreads. Bitterness can spread. Now, what is bitterness? Well, uh, the Filipino word for it is sama ng loob. Masama loob ko dyan. If you look at the meaning of bitterness, it's actually a combination of emotions, inclusive of pain and anger mixed together. That is bitterness. When the pain and the anger, and, and the, the anger can elevate to hatred, that is the deadly mixture of bitterness. There's somebody in your mind that you hate, it gives you sadness, and it gives you anger at the same time. That is bitterness, and the author is warning. He is warning them. 
I'd like to say that a person truly saved by grace will fight, will wrestle against bitterness. If you're truly saved by God, you will fight it because you know it should not rest within your soul. You don't just allow it to take root. You fight it. How? We will discuss later a little bit of the how, but it's all in Scripture. The forgiveness of Christ teaches us to forgive. Christ forgave those who crucified him. In fact, he said, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And we are taught to forgive because God the Father forgave us. We must forgive others instead of seeking validation to our bitterness. When some of us get hurt or when we're angry, we try to look for validation. So we go to our friends to validate our anger and hurt. Somebody to agree with us. Somebody to be on our side. The problem is, is that that is the very reason why it spreads. You seeking for validation. As I grew as a believer and I learned about this, then I learned to be quiet and to go into the prayer room in front of my Heavenly Father and first, Lord, forgive me if I have elevated this hurt into anger and hate. And sometimes you remove the if, if you really know that it's, you're already angry. Why? In your mind, there are already violent thoughts. You're already thinking of a dialogue, what you're going to say to take revenge or to get back or to make them feel how it hurts. I want them to feel this as way, this way, this what I'm feeling. The key is to come in the place of prayer and humble ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Renew my mind, renew my heart. And then you wrestle there with your own heart. You say in your heart, I forgive in the name of the Lord. Because in my name, I cannot. But in the name of the Lord, all things are possible. Then you seek for wisdom. How? So instead of seeking validation to share the bad experience you had, you come to the Father. Now, if you do need a counselor because it is something that affects you deeply and it's affecting your behavior, you need a mature counselor. Somebody who would not be easily affected by your bitterness. Counseling requires training. Biblical counseling requires training. There's the spiritual part where you protect yourself. And there's a biblical part on what you have to say. And there's the human part, the psychology part of understanding how a mind and emotion works. It's not just anybody can counsel. It should be somebody who will not be easily affected. 
Because what you will do is spread the bitterness. That this person you talk to has no issue with the person that you have an issue with, but because they feel you're hurt right now, they become angry at the same person even though it's not their fight. It's not their issue. Instead, we should do what? Remember this, fear God. Why I don't want bitterness to stay in my heart is I fear God and I recognize the love of God upon me. Who? I offended so many times with many sins, yet has decided to forgive me. As I sincerely and humbly come before him, no matter what the sin, he forgives. If my God does that to me and the word says he expects me to forgive, it might be very difficult, but because of our deep respect, what does deep respect for God mean? The fear of God. Because of our reverence for God, Therefore, we forgive. There are no conditions. There are no explanations of, you don't know what I went through. There's uh, no. Christian history is filled of men and women who went through persecution, yet learned to forgive their captors. in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because if we don't forgive, we are defiled and we defile others. We will actually suffer more because we replay in our minds a scene we do not like or a scene we want to happen. We want others to suffer because of this. You come to that level that is bitterness. And if you replay that in your mind, that is dangerous. You know what? Your relationships will be affected. Why? You have a deep-seated anger. You nurtured it. And sometimes the closest of the closest, family members and friends would witness your anger. And they don't know where it comes from. It will change you and corrupt you within. But there is hope because we have a good God and He has warned us. And if we pray and we fight it in His name, we will be victorious. Now, the community should help the bitter person to forgive. If you hear somebody, then your goal is, let me pray for you and say that you may forgive. If you need somebody to speak with, let me hear you, but allow me to coach you in terms of how you should speak about this. Because you change your words, somehow your mind changes. And vice versa, if you change your mind, somehow your words change. But we do not tolerate. We have to say that's wrong. 
we can gently rebuke, first gently, but if it takes a year you've been gently rebuking the person, I do believe you can rebuke them with firmness and say, enough. I'm not saying you're angry, you're just firm, enough. We have to rebuke because it defiles the mind. Especially if they dare to transfer, to tell stories, even if it's true. Because we were given a guideline in Matthew 18. If somebody sins and offended you and because of a sin, if you're offended but it's not because of a sin, then it's just a cultural difference perhaps. But if it's because of a sin, we approach that person, we rebuke that person. If it doesn't change, ask help from somebody else. And he keeps persisting. Matthew 18 says, tell to the church. And I would say, uh, the representatives of a growing church would be the eldership. If it's a small church, it's the whole church. The growing church, it's represented by the elders. You tell to them. And if he still does not repent and stop the gossip, we will say to them, leave the church. Leave. Do not fellowship with us. Because you will defile many of us. And we will warn our members about you. Because you won't like to tell one side of your story if you hear the other side, the person isn't that bad that you're painting him or her out to be. You see, the desire to get sympathy, maghingi ng awa sa iba, that's tempting. To gain the sympathy of others. That's why we are taught to be Christ-centered, not self-centered. We have to learn to be Christ-centered. Because if we become self-centered, then we magnify all the bad things that happen to us. If you are Christ-centered, you, you see how He suffered for us, and you realize what do I have? This is nothing compared to what the Lord went through. And if we do not cut, it can be divisive. There are many churches that have been divided because of bitterness. There's no rationality left, only emotion, and that is dangerous. So here, we hope to teach our members how to think and how to feel according to God's Word. Not emotions driven by the wind of the wave. That when we hear something, we'd like to verify, did you say this, brother, against me? I just want to verify. I'm not sure. But I want to be sure that you say this. And if you said it, what do you mean? I would rather go to a confrontation to end it. Did I offend you? If I did, what do I owe you? How do I apologize to you? Tell me now. But you go on doing this is evil as well. Because some people offend others without even knowing it. That's why I say to people, extend the patience. Why? Sometimes it's cultural differences. I keep telling about my two friends in college 
they shared the same room in the dorm, two sisters. They loved one another as sisters, but they had a lot of conflicts. But they learned. You know why there were so many conflicts? Culture. One was from Batangas, the other was, fr was from Iloilo. I hope you understand what I'm saying. The Ilonga, galit na yan, malambing pa rin yan. Already angry, but still soft. So spoken. I was once in, <laughs> I hear these stories when I'm in the Visayas. You know, they say, patyontaka. Ibig sabihin pala, patayin kita. Pero ganun yung tono. Of course, then you visit uh, Batangueño home at the top of their voices and how they explain to one another, is this World War III? But it's the normal way of speaking. Uh, but you, because your mind is so small, you are ignorant of culture. You suddenly judge everybody. Ah, always angry. Ah, ah, pathetic. You make all these judgments, why? Because of your lack of knowledge. And that's why Proverbs speaks against ignorance and promotes knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. That's why even myself, I want to judge sometimes. I have to try to withhold it, why? Perhaps I am ignorant about that issue because I don't know everything. The truly wise person understands there is much to learn. The foolish person thinks he has learned enough and can make judgments. The funny thing, it's the naive and the ignorant who does that. So friends, do not be easily offended. Rather, clarify. What do you mean? What does that mean? Sometimes you can even be direct. Is that an insult? Oh yeah? Gently ask, bro, are you insulting me? With a smile. No, I'm not. I'm insulting myself. Kung tinamaan ka, di pareho na lang tayo. That's why I applaud people who make fun of their own insecurity, meaning they are fighting it. And some have learned to live with it. Why? Because we think the thing about human nature is we think we're not so bad. We think we're always above average. When the reality is the data speaks for itself, the output of the work speaks for itself. No, you are below average. But we think not. We think we know more. That's why we judge more. Therefore, we get hurt more. Then we expect more. You know that one of the most ignorant people is expecting many things from others. You should be like this, right? I'll, I'll say in Philippines, diba ganyan ka na dapat kasi 30 years old ka na? Hmm? Is that familiar? Uh, making a lot of expectations will disappoint you. What should we do then? We have to forgive. Well, judge less, of course. But if you are offended, we need to forgive. It brings inner healing 
to the soul. If you're not healed for a long time, you have not forgiven. You persist in forgiveness in your time of prayer and the Lord's grace will come upon you and give you the power and the strength to let go so that when you hear about it, it does not affect you anymore or it affects you less. It means you're growing in the forgiveness. Now, stopping the gossip protects the pure in heart. Stopping the gossip protects the pure in heart. So I, I say to parents, parents, your spouse is not perfect, but do not speak of their negativity to your children. They know it already. Your children observe. They know our flaws and our faults. Yes, they may not understand it yet, but they know it. But it does not help if you disrespect one another in front of your child. Because there will come a time you would need one another to lead the children, but because you show disrespect to one another, the confidence to follow will not be there. So I say, children, forgive us, for we know not what we do. Sometimes we are lonely and we are hurt and we're we just want somebody to understand us and forgive us if we chose you. Forgive us. If your mother or father is like that, tell them to go to a growth group. Don't talk to me about that, mom. Go to a growth group. Talk to your friends about that who can pray for you properly. Or dad. Now, watch bitterness. So we're calling on everybody here to apply this in the family and in the church. Then the author mentioned to the Jewish believers that there should be no immoral or godless person. The author warned the Jewish Christians to make sure that none should be like Esau. Esau was godless and immoral. Esau traded his birthright for a single meal. He did not value what he possessed. Let's read verse 16. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. And yes, it is part of the Genesis narrative. What was the Genesis narrative when Esau was hungry and uh, Jacob, who loves to cook, <laughs> always had food perhaps, and he said, give me that, I'm so hungry. And uh, Jacob, the very... Uh, he took advantage, yes. Jacob took advantage and said, give me your birthright. The problem was Esau agreed. You won't die if you missed one single meal. Well, it depends on your medical condition, but, but this guy being a hunter and everything, I think he won't easily die. Now, Immoral or sexual intercourse outside of marriage, be it adultery or premarital sex, is a sin that defiles the initiator and the others who participate. So it's a sin. If you commit sexual immorality, being sex outside marriage, if you're married, 
If you have sex outside marriage, that's called adultery. If you're single, that's called fornication. And both are sin. If you commit that, you did not only defile yourself, you also defiled somebody else. You made somebody else participate in the sin. And again, watch the community. That's why I keep saying this. I keep reminding my children not to do stupid things that they will regret. Therefore, therefore, believers should avoid such sins because they are not consistent with holiness. Remember, the author said, pursue peace and holiness. Believers, what, is, what does holiness mean? It means to be set apart, to be reserved for God's purpose. That is holiness. And sex outside of marriage is not part of God's purpose. In fact, in our world today, it is dangerous as well. There's so many sexually transmitted diseases. The sad story that I read of a young Bicolano who was adventurous in sex, he was just seduced once. But the problem was the one who seduced him had AIDS and he contracted it. Now he has to maintain it for life. Watch it. We were set apart for God's purpose, not for inordinate affections and fleshly desires. One of the things that must we, we must develop is spiritual strength to conquer the flesh. And that takes time of prayer, the study of God's word, meditation. The community is part of it. No matter how imperfect the community is, the community gives you strength. That is God's design. So that our affections remain holy and we avoid the inordinate affections. So be careful with your affections. Third, no apostates like Esau. Well, why Esau was mentioned was he gave up his birthright. He was saying to the church community, don't give up what you believe in. And you believe in Jesus Christ. Don't give that up. So the author warned that apostates like Esau... First, he lost his birthright. Second, he lost his father's blessing. Well, in the first part, it doesn't belong to him already. He gave it up. He has no sense of honor. He did not even say to his father, Father, that belongs to Jacob now. I traded it for a stew, for soup. But still wanted to claim it, but he could not claim it. Why? Although the mother was the engineer of the deception, Jacob participated, but the mother knew something and Jacob knew it belonged to him. Perhaps that's why he participated. Verse 17, let's read that. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. 
for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. This is in connection with Hebrews 6, that there are those who would not be able to repent anymore. It's impossible to bring them back to repentance. So do not be stubborn, he's saying to them. Esau exchanges precious birthright for a stew. He did not value it, nor did he intend to keep his promise to his brother. So instead of explaining to his father that he turned over his rights to Jacob, Esau kept quiet about it because perhaps he was dishonorable. Let me just add, it's not in my manuscript. There's another thing that Esau did. He married two Canaanite women, and it grieved his parents. It grieved the parents of Esau. You'll find that in Genesis 26. Not one, but two. Perhaps to hurt his parents, he married a Canaanite woman, and it hurt his parents, and he said, one more. Please do not even think about dishonoring your parents because God takes offense in that. In fact, we are commanded the reverse, honor your father and mother, that all may go well with you and so that you may live long on the earth. Esau was godless. He lived as if there's no God. There was no fear of God. So easy to offend parents. So easy to give up the birthright. So easy to not respect the agreement he had with Jacob. He had no sense of honor. He lied or it doesn't matter as long as it serves me. We focus so much on how the character flaws of Jacob, but Esau here is godless. I say none should deny Christ, but those who would deny him should experience all that the author warned. What did the author warn? It would be a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And why exchange temporary comfort in returning to a religion like Judaism which is inferior to Christ. Why? Why exchange a short time of sexual immorality in exchange to what? The favor of God. Why exchange it? Application, proclaim the grace of God. We must understand and proclaim the grace of God. No man can save his soul. I cannot save my soul. Nor can any man save another's soul. I cannot save your souls. Only through God's grace and through faith in Christ can a person be saved. Grace gives us what we did not work for. That is what grace is. We did not work for it. Nor did we earn it. Grace is about the finished work of Christ, His suffering, death, and resurrection. Grace is about God giving us a new heart so we may obey Him. Every day we have to thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this new heart because I have the desire to grow in you. I have the desire to learn of your word. I have a desire to obey it. 
And the more we grow in that new heart, the more we see how imperfect we are and how beauty is the, beautiful is the grace of God. Next application is remove bitterness. Remove all bitterness from the heart and watch out for people who spread their bitterness. Bitterness turns into gossip and the unwise gets poisoned in the mind and heart. Then the unity of the body gets disturbed. Ah, yes. That can be poisonous. So how do you do it? The same way how you treat COVID-19. Mask, shield. If you're in the front lines, PPE. So how do you face somebody with bitterness, gossiping? You say, do I need to hear that? Or should I just set a meeting with the person that you are speaking of so you can settle it? I don't want to hear everything. In fact, I want to hear as little as possible and how I can help you settle this. Not nurture it, but settle it. And that is what I expect from growth group leaders, pastors, especially elders. And in this part, I am firm. I am firm. Do not make it spread. Learn to handle it. Don't let it be there lingering, 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 taking root until such time we cannot remove it anymore. One of the signs of coming short of the grace of God is bitterness. Bitterness inspires unforgiveness, resentment, and even hate. If one quickly gives in, then such a person nurtures an evil heart. If you easily give in to bitterness, and you can count how many people offended you, how many people disappointed you, and some parts of it turns into anger, you are now nurturing an evil heart. And you need the grace of God. How? We know in James 4 that God gives greater grace to those who humble themselves. But God is opposed to the proud. I have no sin. It's their fault, not mine. God is opposed to the proud. But one who says, Lord, maybe they started it, but what's in my heart is sin. Forgive me. Help me overcome. Help me be free once again, that I can be free. When I think, when I feel, I can be free of these thoughts that I may just focus on worship and meditate on the good things of God and the wonderful things. Don't give in and do not nurture. Therefore, do not turn hurt into bitterness. In Filipino, we say, kung masakit ang loob mo, wag mong gawin masama ang loob mo. Hanggang sakit ng loob lang. There was a brother in another church, uh, one of our leaders, and I asked, bro, 
Masama ba loob mo sa akin? Again, I want to clear these things if I can. Masama ba loob mo sa akin? Hindi naman kuya, masama yun eh. Masakit lang. And I appreciate that. Because that's humanity, those things happen. Until such a point you learn to discipline your mind and heart to not easily be hurt or offended. But if your mindset is, it's a world of hurt, and that's your lens, then you don't understand the people who have matured and that people should mature because that's your lens of the world. People easily get hurt. No, that's not true. Many easily get hurt, but not all. Those who have matured do not easily get hurt. Do not turn it to bitterness. Through fervent prayer, prayer, persistent forgiveness, how every morning you say, Lord, I forgive this person. Every morning. But if it's lunchtime, you hate them again, you say, Lord, I forgive them again. You keep doing it until such time that by the grace of God, you will be healed. And meditate on God's word. Now, family members should watch one another. Growth group members should correct one another. In other words, the community members should protect their own. And lastly, warn against apostasy. The bitter and the unwise, what's the unwise who listen and believe everything they hear, will destroy the unity of the body of Christ. So watch each other that no one becomes an apostate or an immoral person like Esau, but we must call people to repent while they still can. The church community must not tolerate bitterness. Of course, we want everyone who is hurt to be healed, but we do not tolerate bitterness. There is a difference. We do not tolerate immorality and godlessness. Thus, believers should address those who sin through, if you read Matthew 18, there's a pattern there. If somebody sins, we correct them. If they do not repent, we call somebody else as witness to help us. And if still they do not, then we tell others. Some of you unknowingly, I've been practicing this, but I thank God that we only got to the second level. Sometimes so hard to change your mind and your habits. I ask the help of others. Now there's two of us. And we hope and we wait some more. It takes time for some of us. Why? Well, again, we are blinded by our own selves. We are deceived by our own selves, thinking we are good boys and good girls. When in fact, we nurture an evil heart, a proud and arrogant heart. Now, family members should watch one another. I keep saying that the church is here and we promote discipleship, but the ultimate most responsible are family members to family members. Do not be like in the educational institution. Oh, because they're going to school, I delegate all learning to the school. I don't believe in that. I take personal hands-on teaching with my children. 
I teach them what I've learned, piece by piece. Sometimes it's too much for them. Sometimes I try to regulate it. Sometimes it's less, but I have to do it because I do not delegate everything to the universities. The same way in terms of their spiritual growth, I do not delegate everything to the church. Do not be overconfident just because they have a growth group or they join some committee in the church. Yes, that is wonderful. But have a hands-on. And you know the difficult part of hands-on is be the example. Be the example to follow. If you are wrong, let them see you ask for forgiveness. Let them hear it. It's difficult. And children, follow it. Let them see how consistent you are. You do not make the worship of God optional. If Sundays I don't feel like it, I'll just watch Netflix. Or I'll just keep doing, going to work because it's optional. If you do that, you're showing a pattern that it's okay. No. The most important thing is you become faithful. Another word for faithful is consistent in your commitment. And once you do that, they see that they will somehow remember that. And even if some of them loses the way, they will remember your example. And hopefully, if not by your words, by your example, they come back to the Lord. We should preach repentance to the bitter to the immoral and godless, without sounding moralistic. What do I mean? You say, bro, I'm sad with what happened to you. Now allow me to correct you as a brother, not as somebody more spiritual than you, because I know it's possible that it happens to me. I'm hoping not. I will fight it the best I can, but if ever it does, you have the freedom to correct me and confront me, as I'm doing it to you right now because of because we are brothers in Christ, or you are among sisters in Christ. That must be confronted, but not in a high moral perspective that I am better than you. We never take that position, never, because we know we are saved by grace only. We should preach repentance, yes, but we should remind ourselves. The church community must watch one another and encourage one another to remain faithful in Christ. So when, if you're part of a growth group, don't forget to say, I appreciate our, our fellowship in Christ. Uh, do not exalt it to the point they're higher than Christ. Please don't do that. But we are part of his church community and we appreciate that fellowship that we have with one another. If you're not part of it, we welcome you. Just contact us, leave us your number. Message us in, 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 in our Facebook page. And uh, once we receive your message, we will ask somebody to reach out to you or contact you or invite you. So somehow, somehow we can build a godly relationship, friendship with one another that is based on Scripture, not simply based on the world's ways, but based on Scripture. And as you grow, at first it will be awkward because you don't know these people, but after a while, you will realize the value it gives your soul. Even just being consistent, it, 
teaches, it helps you to express faithfulness because where can you be faithful? How do you know you're faithful? You have to find that expression and one of the best expressions is to join a small community and be faithful there. That's one expression. And for us, we see that as important and it's a model in Acts 2.42. They continued steadfastly steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, which means the New Testament, prayer, breaking of bread. And they went from what? House to house, meaning in small groups. They did it continuously. Ah. Friends, let us value the gift that God gave us, His Son and the body of Christ, His community. So I'd like to say to you, I appreciate you, as your pastor here, on behalf of the elders, we truly appreciate you and all the different pastors we have or growth group leaders, we appreciate you. We are not perfect and you are not perfect, but that's the point, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. Can you imagine if it's too perfect? That's heaven, yes. There was one acquaintance of mine who loves visiting the Philippines, he's Swiss. And he keeps coming here. And I, and I ask, why do you keep coming here? And he has so many projects here. And I liked what he said. I love the imperfection. Well, I said, what do you mean? Oh, okay. Because in Switzerland, we did a lot of things right. And we young people, they don't need us as much because we might suggest something that might destroy the perfection. <laughs> but in other places, we feel like we can still contribute. So for me, it's beautiful. Now, if you're looking for a perfect church, you can pray to the Lord and say, Lord, take me to heaven now. That's the only way. But here, if you see the imperfection, then you say, praise God, I might be able to contribute. My imperfect life might be able to contribute to their imperfect lives that we may all grow together. And my friends, that is God's design. So I share to you right now a poem called Do Not Fall Short. What could be worse than to fall short who'd wish to face the dreadful court where the highest justice resides when one is guilty on all sides for only grace can we be saved the darkness each of us enslaved brought to light by the sovereign freed to walk as justified men. Remove bitterness from your heart, cut it clean and don't let it start. Godlessness, immorality, no place in the community. Why exchange priceless promises for such sinful compromises? Watch one another in Christ's love, remind all of the fear of God. How pitiful are those who deny on their own thinking 
they rely. The apostate's regret is the worst. For sure, they'd wish for the reverse. Shepherds, watch the community. Fathers, watch the whole family. May no one fall short from his grace and all persist to run the race. Let us all rise. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. With Christ as the center, our sovereign Lord, Christ is God and is seated at the right hand of the Father, reflecting the unity of the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are reminded that without faith it is impossible to please you, that we should live by faith, May the heroes of the faith inspire us, yet let our eyes be fixed on Christ alone. Laying aside every sin that easily entangles, we should run the race with perseverance. We welcome your discipline, for we are your children, and we thank you for your love found in your discipline, that you may train us to be the person you want us to be, that you may correct us of the wrong, the sin we've done. Lord, we thank you for the reminder to pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And we thank you for today's message, O oh Lord, that none should fall from the grace of God, that no bitterness should take root within us, and that it should not spread in the community. We thank you for the reminders that we should not live immoral lives and we should not live godless lives like Esau who lived as if there is no God, who lived without thinking of, of consequence or losing your favor as if you did not exist. May we remember to love you and fear you. May we remember that you gave your son Jesus Christ to die for us that he may receive the justice meant for us. He was our substitution. We thank you that he rose from the dead, defeating death, being victorious over it, ascending to heaven and ruling over the hearts of men. We thank you that you called us to Christ. We thank you that our hearts desired him. We thank you for the new heart we thank you for writing your laws in our minds and hearts that there's a desire to follow, although through our imperfection you still allowed us to come and you have allowed forgiveness to be upon us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray that the righteousness of Christ would be lived through us though we are forgiven yet we may we live it may we find the freedom to live it to reject sexual immorality to be always conscious of you the ever-present god who watches all we do that even our private thoughts our private feelings you see and we humble ourselves because you see our imperfection 
Forgive us. We are unworthy. We are nothing. But your grace has lifted us up. May we never forget that. May we never walk proudly and arrogantly of our own works and righteousness. May we never see ourselves better than others, but knowing that we were saved by grace alone. Preserve this community, Lord, and allow us to grow. Teach us to be faithful to you and to be faithful to one another. But may our faithfulness to be one another be scriptural and biblical and not earthly and worldly, but according to scripture. Unite us and the things, the forces that divide us, we pray, remove it from our midst. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God is good.